Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. We'll be reading from Luke 12, verses 22 through 32. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If you are then not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Fabian, if you don't know me. Um, I started going to the Vine a couple of summers ago, which was towards the beginning of the pandemic. When I was thinking through this, I was like, oh yeah, it was like last summer when the pandemic was happening. Guys, that started a while back, like a whole nother year. Um, So yeah, it's been such a sweet, uh, unexpected grace uh, and gift to get to be a part of this community. I've really, really enjoyed it. And if I haven't gotten to know you yet, I would love to grab coffee and just chat and catch up. Um, We're currently walking through the book of Luke together, and if you've been following along with our daily podcast or our scripture readings, then you might have some empathy for me this week, because it was a really hard week to pick which scripture I was going to focus on. Uh, We've been in Luke chapters 11 through 14 this week, and a lot has happened. Jesus has taught his disciples how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, that seems like a good one to teach on, but I'm not going to. Um, He's been healing the sick and casting out demons, and I'm Definitely not going to teach on that while Mark's out of town, Um, or ever, really. Um, And he's been proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. In fact, if you'd been around Jesus, I think you would have heard him talk about the kingdom or the kingdom of God an awful lot. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says the kingdom or the kingdom of God 41 times, which is a lot compared to some of the other Gospels. So in today's scripture, you may not have caught it, but it was right at the end there. Jesus is been unpacking, giving kind of this encouragement to his disciples. Don't be anxious. God's going to take care of you. Look at how he cares for the sparrows. Look at how he cares for the flowers. And then right at the end, you have this kind of exhortation, but seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God is how we sing it in that hymn. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Before we dive in, I want you to think for a second What comes to mind when I say the kingdom of God? Like, if I was going to call on you and say, okay, what is the kingdom of God? I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But what would you say? Get the answer kind of in your head. What is the kingdom of God? If you're having a hard time coming up with an answer, let me tell you how Jesus explains the kingdom of God. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
Thanks, Jesus. That really clears it up. Uh, okay, so here's one of my problems with Jesus, which is probably a thing you should not say in a sermon. But sometimes he says things, and he's like, this thing's really important. Tune in. And then you're like, okay, I'm here, I'm listening. And then he explains it, and it's like, that's not clear enough, at least for me, right? With the kingdom of God, he's like, seems to communicate this is an important thing. He talks about it 41 times in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, in Luke 4, Jesus says the entire reason he came, the whole thing can be summed up, and he came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. So that seems important, and he's telling us here to seek it. In order to do that, it feels like we need to know what we're looking for. And, and if it was me, and I wanted you to seek something, I feel like I would describe it very clearly, right? A couple of weeks ago, we had an info session up here in the room upstairs after the service, and I was trying to connect my computer to the display monitor, and I didn't have the right cord. So I came back here to Lauren. Lauren is amazing. She's on our stream team. Yay for Lauren. And I came to Lauren, and I said, okay, Lauren, I need a cord that's going to connect my computer to the display monitor. Can you seek, seek on your table there and find for me a cord that can do this. And Lauren, like a normal human, is like, okay, what, what are the connectors? Like, what are they called? You know, is it a lightning USB? And of course, I'm a normal human, so I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. But at least I can kind of describe it. I can like look around the table and be like, it's kind one end looks like this, and one end kind of looks like this, but thinner. I can at least do that. I, I didn't like look at Lauren and say, well, the cord that you're seeking, it could be compared to a child whose left hand is open and willing to receive light and life, and whose left hand is the beacon of that light to the world. I wouldn't do that to Lauren. And if I did, there would only be one of two reasons, right? Either I'm, I'm trying to set her up to fail. Either I don't want her to be able to find the thing I'm asking her to seek, or I guess the other option is, is that the thing, I'm asking, the thing I'm asking her to find that I'm describing, it doesn't have any point of comparison at what she's looking for on the table, and it can't be easily categorized in the terms that our brains are used to categorizing things. It's not like anything that we've seen before. And knowing what I know about Jesus or trusting what I hope is true about Jesus, I have to presume it's the second of those, that the, the kingdom of God is hard to describe because there's, there's nothing like it. No kingdom in this world is like it and, it, and it's hard to categorize, it's hard to describe. I mean, Jesus says it's the kingdom of God, so, so we know it's like a kingdom, right? I read a lot of YA, so I feel like I have a good frame of reference for a kingdom. I can, like, visualize it. I understand what happens in kingdoms. I'm a pro. If you want more intel on kingdoms, I'm your girl. But it's not like one I've ever seen, right? And I know a little bit about the ruler of this kingdom. It's God's kingdom, and, and the person who rules in it is Jesus, and I know that because Earlier in the book of Luke, when the angel comes to Mary and is like, hey, you're going to have a baby, he's going to do awesome stuff, his kingdom will have no end. So Jesus is our ruler in this kingdom, and I know a little bit about how Jesus operates, right? He's this ruler like none we've ever seen. He doesn't lead with power or dominance or insecurity. He's not the kind of leader that like sits in his throne room and you have to petition to get in and then wait like six months, like the way it is with doctors. <laughs> you get to go anytime you want, but really, even if you don't want to go, he'll leave his throne and he'll come to you, he'll come and find you wherever you are, listen to your requests, however small they feel to you. And in this kingdom, who is celebrated? We know who rules, but who, it is, who is it that's, that's celebrated? That who are the celebrities in this kingdom that we would follow on Instagram? Right? It's, it's the poor who are blessed in this kingdom. And whoever is least in the kingdoms of the world, they, they're first 
in the kingdom of God. They're the people we look to. All people are treated with dignity and kindness and love and invited to the finest table to eat with this king. He'll sit right next to them. He doesn't have the seat of preeminence. And how do you get into this kingdom? To get in, you don't have to like pass some test or like sneak your way through the guards like you have to do in a lot of the YA books I read. Uh, No, in this kingdom, you just become like a child. Just become like a child. You come needy, you come dependent, and in this kingdom, your needs are never belittled. No one ever looks at them and is like, well, I I know you feel like that's really important, but compared to what this other person needs, it's really not that important because there's no scarcity in this kingdom. Your needs are always met with compassion and provision. And what is this kingdom? It's a place that, that Jesus says when he proclaims it, where the oppressed are set free, the prisoners are, are, are let out of jail, the blind can see. It's a great reversal of how things work in the kingdom of the world, and there's healing, and there's restoration, and there's reconciliation, and grace, and love, and laughter, and singing. I mean, I picture a kingdom where everything looks right, you know, like where there's no more tears, but not because like we just don't have tear ducts, but because there's no stimulus for tears, because everything is as it ought to be. Like in The Lord of the Rings, Samwise Gamgee says, you know, has everything sad come untrue? That's what I picture this kingdom to look like. I, I imagine it like heaven, right? And it, and it is what it's like in heaven. The kingdom of God is what it's like in heaven. I know that because when we, when we say the Lord's Prayer, what do we say? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, as if it is in heaven. But I know it's not just in heaven, right? Because I pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, like as if it could be here, as if we could bump into the kingdom of God today in the same way that it's happening in heaven. And when and where is this kingdom? It's here and now. It's not this thing that's far off. And when the Pharisees are asking Jesus, like, how are they going to know when the kingdom of God comes? He says to them, the coming of the kingdom is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's in your midst. It can be anywhere, this kingdom. It can be as tiny as, like, a molecule that takes up residence in your heart in the smallest part of you. It is in Jesus, right? But then it also goes with the disciples when they move away from Jesus. Like when he sends them out to do stuff, he says, tell the people like the kingdom of God has come near to them. Like you carry it with you. Like you as the people of God can carry this kingdom with you. It's wherever the king's reign is being revealed. right? Wherever the great reversal of the kingdom of God is being seen, felt, experienced, that is the kingdom of God. Does that clear it up? feel like you got it. <laughs> I mean, we may not know how to describe this in a simple, articulate, like, phrase if I called on you, but I think everyone in this room knows what the kingdom of God is. Everyone in this room, like, in deep DNA parts of you has experienced it, right? Maybe you've experienced something like it with, with a friend, right? Maybe you've had a friend look at you and give you, like, unmerited grace or this ridiculous forgiveness that you didn't expect, or maybe you've just had a relationship with someone where you felt deeply seen, and, and there's been those moments sitting around with your family, your friends, where there's laughter and light, and you feel like, this feels like heaven. Or maybe you've had this with Jesus. Maybe Jesus has come near to you. Maybe you've had, like, one of those dark nights, you know, where you're not sure you're going to make it to the morning, and the person of Jesus has sat with you in the dark, and the kingdom of God has been with you. We may not be able to describe it, but, but we know what the kingdom of God feels like. 
feels like heaven. And God is inviting us to seek this kingdom. He's inviting us with this seek first the kingdom of God to see it come here on earth the same way it is in heaven. Here in the city of Austin, the kingdom of God could come the same way that it is in heaven. And so how do we do that? How on earth do we seek the kingdom of God? I mean, the instinct for the Pharisees was to try to build like a whole society that looked like God's law. That's what they thought it meant to seek the kingdom of God, right? So they're seeking the kingdom of God and they're like, you know, don't heal on the Sabbath. You need to take a break on the Sabbath. That's how we would make this look here like the kingdom of God. If you, if you fasted, if you had a different kind of food pattern, if you stayed away from certain foods, abstained from some, if you, you know, didn't labor in this way, they're, they're trying to get people to conform to the law of God because that's what they think it will look like to build the kingdom of God. And, you know, Jesus rolls up on the scene and he's like, not only are you missing the kingdom of God, but like you're keeping other people from getting in. It's like the Pharisees are like standing at the edge of this kingdom and they're pointing at it. They're like, this is the kingdom of God right here and you can get in. Anyone can come. You just have to obey God's word and then you can get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, first of all, that's not how you get into the kingdom of God. And second of all, that thing behind you is not the kingdom of God. It's, it's not like it at all, right? Uh, Leslie Newbegin has this quote that I'll throw up behind me. Uh, that says, when the church tries to embody the rule of God in forms of earthly power, it may achieve that power, but it is no longer a sign of the kingdom. When the church tries to create the kingdom of God using structure systems that we use in, in the earthly world, power, fear, control, you may achieve, you may, you may make people obey, but you haven't created a sign of the kingdom. Right? The Pharisees are trying to use earthly tools like power structures and fear and control to build the kingdom of God, but the heart, the essence of the kingdom of God is, is, is humility and surrender and love. It's like they're trying to create this big tree, but they have neglected the seed, the essence, where that comes from. You, you can't have the tree without the seed. Right? So I think at your discussion time, we had you talk about Austin, authentic Austin. This is important to me because... I really value Austin. But I don't value the thing that now is Austin. <laughs> and so like sometimes when I'm going to hang out with my friends, I'll be like, oh, let's go to an Austin place. And they'll be like, oh, what about this place? It's been around for like 10 years. I'm like, it's new Austin. And they'll be like, okay, snob. Um, and I'll be like, what about this place? And they're like, Fabs, that's been around for six months. And I'm like, I know, but it's Austin. It's not to do with how long it's been around and it's not to do with how dirty it is. It's to do with whether or not it has the essence of Austin in it, right, that seed. And I know this is controversial. Everyone would describe New Austin, Old Austin, Authentic Austin differently. But for me, I say that New Austin is defined by the fact that it's imitating Austin. Like it's, it's like it's become self-aware. You walk into this room and it, sure, it looks like Austin-y, but you can tell that it knows it looks Austin-y. It's trying to look Austin-y. It's like self-aware. It's like the people designing it were like, this is Austin-y, let's do this. And the essence, the seed of Austin when I first moved here was like, Austin doesn't care. It is not trying to be anything. It's not trying to be cool. It's not trying to be hip. Sometimes it's fancy and sometimes it's not, but it doesn't matter. What it always has in common is it's, it's just, it is what it is. And the minute you try to create Austin by like imitating Austin, you've lost the essence of what Austin is. You're trying to build the tree, but you neglected the seed. Right? And this is how the Pharisees were operating with the kingdom of God. 
And I think probably lots of us in this room have, have been in spaces like this. We're like, they talk like the kingdom of God, and like even on paper, all the rules are right for the kingdom of God. The mission statement on the site is perfect. The things they say from the stage are good. But you move around and you're like, don't experience the kingdom of God here. And that's because you cannot create the kingdom of God from the outside in. You, you can't build a structure and a system. You can't make an organization that looks like the kingdom of God if it's not born out of the essence, that seed, that inside-out feeling of the kingdom of God. You're not going to see it visibly around you unless it's planted in you, okay? And if it is planted in you, you are going to see it visibly around you. Right, the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed. It begins so small, invisible, under the ground. No one can see anything that's happening, but it is inevitable and unpreventable that it will grow into this visible, structural system that can, that can change the whole world. Right, that's what the kingdom of God is like. And, and, and don't you want this whole world to be like infected with the kingdom of God? I want that. I want, I want us to look at governments and legal systems and elections, and I want us to see the handprint of the kingdom of God all over it. I want his kingdom to come. I, I want that to happen in this building. Like, I want when people show up on a Sunday and, like, they, they love to be welcomed by, by Ken or Maggie or Doris or whoever's there, Frank and Ron, they feel that welcoming, but underneath it, it's not like, oh, cool, it's cool someone said hi to me. They can sense that underneath this place is a place where the kingdom of God has come. Where, like, I don't care what space you were ever in that said you don't belong. I want people who walk in this building to feel you are welcome here. You belong here, that there's a gospel reversal that has happened in this space, that the kingdom of God has come here. And I want this to be like this pocket in the middle of Austin where you could come on a Sunday and you know you're going to encounter the kingdom of God. And I want that to, to spread out, right, like leaven all across the city of Austin. And I want the whole city of Austin to become infected with the kingdom of God and it to be like this pocket in, in America where you go to Austin and, and you feel the kingdom of God. It's come. And, and that, to me, feels impossible. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did the seminar that we talked about in here a couple of times that was on structural racism in Austin. And I was like, I don't understand how this changes. I don't get it. And as I was preparing this week, I kind of had to, like, I would say wrestle, but that implies I did work on it. I guess it's more like I faced the reality that, like, I don't know that I think that his kingdom can come in Austin the way it is in heaven. I think I've just started to operate, like, God's kingdom will come in heaven, and then we'll see it. And until then, we just have to endure the brokenness of this world. Because that's my experience, right? That's why my brain thinks that. That's how I've experienced the world. But I think, I think God is challenging me to believe that his kingdom could come, that, that if you and I planted seeds of the kingdom of God in our hearts, in those spaces in our hearts, then we could, we could walk out these doors and we could like carry it with us wherever we go and that it could actually, like leaven, like that mustard seed, that it could infect everything, that, that we could change the world. It's a hard thing to believe, it's a hard thing to believe. My mom, when I was a kid, she used to read us uh, Oscar Wilde fairy stories. I grew up in England, so I don't know if that made it across the Atlantic. But if you have kids, Oscar Wilde fairy stories, they are just the best. Uh, my mom used to cry every single time. They're very sad, very sad. Um, but there was one that she read us. It was called The Selfish Giant. And it's this story about this giant 
who has a selfish heart. The name kind of gives it away. And his heart is just cold. And because of that, his, he has this kind of beautiful garden. And, and all year round, all the seasons come all across the kingdom. But in his garden, it's always winter. Always winter. I think I have a pic. Oh, look, it's right behind me. Yeah, these are some illustrations I found online. Um, so this one on the left here, right, whatever. The one that's blue, that's the, his garden, right? It's just winter all year round. And you can see outside of his garden, outside of his property, spring has come. But for whatever reason, because his heart is cold, the seasons never come to his garden. It's just always winter. And one day he hears this noise, and he goes to the window, and there's, like, laughter. And these children have broken in through his wall. And every, they're playing hide-and-seek, and everywhere they play, spring comes. And so on the next slide, you can kind of see this boy right here is playing hide-and-seek. And you can see the winter around him, but the spring that he's standing in and the giant watching at the window, and Peyton, you can go to the next one as well. You can kind of see these like patches of spring anywhere the children are. I love that. That's kind of been the picture all week to me of what it would look like if we could embody the kingdom of God, right? That you could, you could walk out and you could sit down at your dinner table and there could just be this little patch of spring at that dinner table. But in this like cold, wintered world, <laughs> You could carry with you the kingdom of God and the love and the grace and the peace and the patience that goes with that, even in your heart, that you could find those corners where, like, winter has been there for years. There is nothing alive growing, and, and you could plant the kingdom of God. You can invite the ruler of the kingdom of God into that tiny corner of your heart, and spring, new life, hope, restoration could spring up. Seek the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can change the world. I want us to believe that it could come on earth as it, as it is in heaven. And that's God's word to you today. That's God's invitation to you today. When I was going through my notes, I had referenced a couple of times, this is the command we're going to look at today. This is the word we're going to look at today. I had to go through and cross out every time I wrote command because the more I was looking at this passage and, and the exhortation to not be anxious and the exhortation to seek his kingdom, the more I looked at it in the context, it felt weird to call it like a command when the tone just seems to be like this sweet encouragement and this tenderness, right? It's like so easy to hear that, don't be anxious, as like this rebuke from like a, a God far away being like, hey, stop worrying about things that aren't your problem. Trust me, seek your king, kingdom, seek my kingdom, Right? But when you read this passage, it's like hard to get away from this thread of maybe that's not a rebuke or a command. Maybe it's like this sweet encouragement from a tender parent comforting their child. Like, don't be anxious. You can hear that tenderness as he talks about these sparrows. Like, you're more precious than even them, and look how I take care of them, and look at the flowers. Look how beautiful they are. Don't be anxious. Seek my kingdom, and all this will be added and you can hear that even in the very last verse. So it says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. And he follows that right up with, do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Man, if seek the kingdom is some kind of rebuke or command, then it's a little strange to follow it up with the news that your father has already been pleased to give it to you. Seek the kingdom because he is pleased to give it to you. Don't be anxious. Instead, step into this kingdom. It's not a command that God has for you this morning. It's an offer that he is making you, an, an invitation to let go of everything that's stressing you out and making you anxious, and an offer to let all that go, to, to just 
hand that all off to someone who can like handle it and step into, sink into the kingdom of God. So much of our anxiety comes from the fact that we are citizens of different kingdoms than the kingdoms of God, right? We have these different systems and structures that are kingdoms that we operate in, and either we have to work to earn our worth, or we are in charge, right? We have kingdoms in our life where we're supposed to rule, right? We have kingdoms where we have to work to earn our worth, like we have, you know, to to have our bodies look a certain way in order to earn the right to be wanted, or we have to perform a certain way in order to to keep our job, or we have to be a certain manner, obey, conform in a certain way in order to belong at church. And that is gonna make you anxious. If your worth is on the line, then yeah, getting your to-do list done becomes really, really important, and it's gonna create a lot of anxiety. And some of you, you, you may be a part of kingdoms, citizen in kingdoms where you have to rule, where you, a mere mortal, who cannot control anything, well, some things, but most things you can't control. Anything outside of yourself you can't control, right? You're not omniscient, you're not omnipotent, you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, and yet you're in charge of keeping the people you love safe? Like, man, that's gonna create a lot of anxiety. I don't know if you've ever tried to do a job that you don't have the skill set for, but ruling a kingdom is one that you are not qualified for. And I say that with love. These things are going to make you anxious, and the invitation of God to step into his kingdom, to, to just... Let those kingdoms go and seek his kingdom. That is naturally going to help ease that anxiety, right? A byproduct of being a citizen in the kingdom of God is that your worth is secure. Like, you don't need to earn your worth. There's nothing to earn. You're you're beautiful regardless of your waistline. You're called valuable regardless of your skill level or what you get done. You're you're welcomed into the kingdom of God and, and your worth is sung over you like a newborn baby. There's one right back there, and you look at that newborn baby, that newborn baby is not contributing. We don't even know, we don't even know his personality yet. We don't know how smart he is or funny, but we love him. His parents love him. That's what it's like to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. Your worth is so secure because you exist, and there's no other you, and there's never been another you, and there never will be another you, and your father sings over you with love. You don't have to work to earn anything. And in the kingdom of God, you are not in charge. You are not in charge. Your role in the kingdom of God is not to rule. It's to become like a child, to become needy. Your weaknesses are not a threat to your belonging as a citizen. God isn't like, oh, well, this one citizen is really draining all our resources. No, in the kingdom of God, come weak, come needy. There is no scarcity. He loves to provide. Seek his kingdom because he will, he will take care of all the other things. The invitation today is to become like a child because you trust your father because that kid isn't worried about where his next meal is coming from or, or how his parents are going to pay the bill because they're supposed to take care of that. He's supposed to just cry <laughs> and need. That's how we operate in our design, right? The invitation to today is to become like those kids in the selfish giant, that we just get to find the patches of winter in this world. And we get to seek his kingdom, not by trying harder, not by like overthinking, but, but by playing, by bringing life and laughter and joy and peace and a sense that we are provided for, that we are safe, so we can love everybody around us without need because we are so loved, right? That's the invitation today is to seek first his kingdom.